Unfortunately, the start of Sarah's preach did not record, so apologies for that. The rest of her sermon will start now. This is a Woodside Church podcast. here today may think that this sermon is actually irrelevant to you because maybe you don't have parents who are actually alive today and so you don't have parents to obey. But this verse instructs us how we treat our parents even if they have passed away and how we remember them and what our example is having or will have on our generations that follow. I know that my late father-in-law who passed away last year If he were alive today, he would be cheering me on on the sidelines, as he often did. He invested a lot of time talking to me about God, and his passion for Christ lives on in me, and I hope I can pass that on to my children too. Some of you may not have children of your own, or some of you may have children that have left the house and you have no um, authority over. This verse still has some relevance to you, so don't switch off. Because Paul really here is instructing us on how Christian family units should live. I believe his word relates to every one of us because ultimately we're all actually children of God, whether we know this or not. There's no mistake, like we were kept on singing, God calls himself Father. He is our heavenly Father and our understanding of his love will not only help us identify with who we are as individuals but will help our relationships we have with other people. So if we can go to the background of this verse, it's important to understand um, the writer here, Paul, and who he was addressing in the culture of the time. Uh, This this wasn't just one verse. The the letter was written as a whole, you know, from start to finish. We only have verses now to help us with the preach. But um, this was a letter written um, to Christian families by Paul um, to be read in congregations like this with all age groups being in there, uh, in and around the area of Colossia. So Paul was saying, Jesus has a radical new salvation message. You know, he wasn't there just for a certain people group. He was there for Jews and Gentiles alike. Paul was saying his teachings are pretty different too. So really in this context of the verse, he's offering a brief highway code of how we should be in our household relationships. But just before this verse, um, he describes an amazing picture of public worship, like like we are in this setting, how we help one another um, with, as members of one body, with, uh, through wisdom, through psalms and and songs and hymns and, and songs of the spirit. And then he moves on to how we relate to one another into our private life. Behind those closed doors, he says, take from the public and do the same in the private life. You know, where things like sharing toys with your sibling or going and doing those mundane chores that your parents say, go tidy your bedroom, or where parents have to deal with sulking and slamming of doors and, look what he just did. You know, you have to, it's a real test where you have to put on and, and consciously be kind and patient and gentle. So I'd urge you to read around um, the verses. We haven't got time to really dwell into this now. But briefly, Paul not only is saying about children obeying, 
their, their, uh, their, their parents, but actually it also talks about women to be submissive to their husbands and slaves to obey their masters. But thankfully he doesn't stop there. Um, and that's crucial because he says husbands need to love their wives and never treat them badly. He explains that fathers should not aggravate their children and slaves should work as if they're working for the Lord. It wasn't against the culture, really, for women to submit to their husbands. That's pretty, it was the norm. But it wasn't necessary for the husbands to be nice to their wives. It wasn't countercultural for children to um, really obey their parents or their father. But it certainly wasn't the norm for fathers to care much for their children. In fact, children were ranked just, just slightly above slaves. Fathers had total right to imprison their children, sell them off, and that was absolutely fine. So these verses behind me are really filled with much balance, with members of all like, ages, young and old, male or female, having to do their parts. It highlights, actually, if we just look at one verse alone, the danger um, of just taking one verse out of context. It's important, then, to always try to read verses in the context of the whole passage. Because if Paul just said, children, always obey your parents, without the verse that follows, fathers, do not aggravate your children, because they will become discouraged, then I think I'd have a problem with that. If we took Colossians 3, verse 20, children, always obey your parents, um, as a standalone, we could see that some parents might try to enforce strong punishment or discipline to their parents, like what we saw in the movie The Shack. If we just take verse 21 as a standalone, don't aggravate your children, you can see how some parents will just back off and not really have much to do with their children's discipline at all, because they don't want to rock the boat and aggravate them. So we need to look at both verses together to make sense of each verse separately. Paul writes to the Colossians, but his writing applies to us equally in our current time. We must not follow philosophies and human traditions, current trends, self-made religions, lies, half-truths, all have the appearance that it is of God. Although Paul is actually referring here to the ultimate authority over their children being fathers, in our current day, mothers have as much authority sometimes as their father. And if some, in some families, actually, their mothers are the only parental authority. And so really, this verse applies to both mothers and fathers alike. So, to the children. Why? What does it mean to obey? All those children at the back. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Four letters, obey. Do as I say. Right? But in Greek, it has a couple of different meanings. It can mean to trust God or to hear from God. But why do we have to do it? Why do we have to obey our parents? Because they've lived longer than you. They often know better than you. Obeying your parents may not always be fun, but because we love them and trust that their intentions are good for us, we should obey them. You might be sitting here thinking, but hang on, Paul's being a bit unreasonable because my dad was never nice to me. He never cared about me. My mother always put me down. So why should I obey them? Paul specifically here, though, is talking about Christian households. 
Those who love the Lord commit their life to, to following the God. It assumes that parents will not demand anything unseemly to their children and have their best intentions at heart. Why do we have to obey? Because it also pleases the Lord. Simple as that. But do we always have to obey? Well, it says always. Um, When we're minors, children, and under the roof of your parents, then yes, unless they're asking you to do something that is not of God. As children, as Christians rather, we are all peacemakers, mothers, fathers, and children alike. It's not saying to to children, you know, if if your parents say, go rob a bank, you're going to do it. Of course not. When they talk to you in anger and not in love, when they ask you to do something that might harm you, then that doesn't respect your obedience. The Bible has lots to say, not only about obeying your parents, but about being a God. But no one models this more beautifully than Jesus. He obeys his heavenly father and his earthly father. In the verse behind me, it says, John uh, 15, 9 to 11, if you keep my commandments, Jesus said, you will abide in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you and that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Are we? (laughs) You can't find it. God is more pleased with us when we do the small, unseen things out of loving obedience than we do those big things for show. There's loads of opportunities for us to actually be obedient, to be kind to our neighbor, to lend a hand to somebody, to tell a truth over telling a lie. These things make God smile. He prefers our obedience over praying, praising, and our sacrifices, in fact. This is a really good verse which dawned to me as I was preparing this. So this is Luke 2, verse, um, in Luke 2, chapter 2, verse 51, uh, where Jesus demonstrates how he was obedient to his earthly father. So this is where Jesus' parents find him at the temple. They were looking for him, and then they take him away. Um, and it sums up what Jesus did until his point of ministry. So that's when he was about 12, all the way to the age of about 30. It says nothing else other than this, this one verse. It says, Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Wow. 20 years summed up in that. He went and he was obedient. So, what does it say if we don't obey God? In Deuteronomy, it says, if we obey, we'll be blessed. If we disobey, we'll be cursed. Gosh, that's harsh. I thought God created us lovingly and, you know, uniquely, and that doesn't really sound that much scope to love us and uh, to show our own character come through. Just do as I say, there's no other way. Some Christians only obey, they, they say, out of fear because the wrath of God will be upon you. That's why you do everything. Some say Paul's instructions are very binding. They're not fun. Some say these instructions are so old-fashioned, they can't really help us for this day and age. But as we unpack further, we'll find out these verses have as much application then, 2,000 years ago, as it does now. You see, we all have to obey things. 
We all obey the land, the law, the law of the land. Even uh, drivers have to uh, obey traffic laws. If we decide we want to take the traffic light and and move it away, um, okay, yeah, we don't have to wait at those boring red traffic lights. But what's going to happen? We're going to have car accidents. So although we may think that these laws can be restrictive, they're actually there to help us. Sometimes short-term freedom can actually lead to long-term injury or even death. So rules are required, really, to keep us safe. We obey God because we believe God knows what's best for us. So in trusting Him with this, we can say yes to obeying God, not because we fear Him. If you tell your daughter that she shouldn't be going to this party that she really, really, really wants to go to, all her friends are going to be going to it, and she absolutely has to go to it. But you're like, no, I don't think this is good for you, because actually there's probably going to be underage drinking there. There might be drugs. I don't want you to go. We'd hope that actually she would listen, because she knows that you're more mature and you, she, and you have the best interest of heart for her. Yeah, it might be upsetting. For sure, parents need to set boundaries to protect their children until such an age, really, where it's appropriate for them to make their own decisions, knowing full well that if they drank too much, what dangerous places that could lead to. But that's the that's sort of the, the parents have to decide of the maturity of the child. Or for let's, let's say to a younger child, keeping to sensible bedtimes, it will probably be protested against, but. If you repeatedly send your child late to bed, that's going to affect their growth. That's going to have an impact on them resting and recovering their mind and coping for the day ahead. So, whatever age we're at, we all need boundaries. We need to obey them, or else it can lead to disharmony um, and a bit of and chaos. So, to the parents, fathers, do not aggravate your children. Parenting is tough. But it's just basically saying we don't want to provoke our parents, our children, to a point of discouragement. Respect them as individuals, and try to deserve their obedience and not demand their obedience. Some parents shy away from showing discipline because that might just be rock, rock everything at home. It's all quite nice and quiet. Some parents just want to be best friends. With their children, some people don't think they need to be honoured at all because it implies an authoritative figure, and it might, they might think their children will love them less. But parents are not to be adult peers who shy away from their responsibilities, because as we discussed, children all need boundaries. Some parenting styles rely on bribery. I'm going to count to three, and if you don't, I'll stop letting you use that Xbox. If you don't, da 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 da. Repeated negotiations with your children will tire you and your child out. So this is one from Sue. Pick your battles wisely. I remember that from parenting course many years ago. <laughs> some par- some parents rely on um, they they have their parenting styles is on comparing. One sibling to another, instead of appreciating the uniqueness God has blessed each of their children with, they say things like, "Your sister's always happy, 
Why aren't you like her? She always cooks nicely for me. She always rings me. Da-da-da-da. Well, repeated comparisons can make them feel really low and inadequate. Some parenting styles rely on criticism. You don't practice the piano enough. No wonder you keep getting that wrong. What? You can't wear those jeans with that top. They don't match. People who know me well can see those words coming out my mouth because I am so guilty of it. But repeated criticism can lead to discouraged children. So, it's important that we compliment our children. Those jeans suit you. Yeah, but maybe a different color top might be better. Encourage them. You played that piano piece really well, especially that last bit at the end. Advise, <laughs> advise our children wisely in all walks of ways. Now, this is a hard one, really, because we need to advise them to come to church. And this can come up with a lot of negatives. Church is boring. I don't have friends at church. It's my only day I can lie in. Yet, all of this may be true, but repeatedly missing out on worship sessions will, will let them basically miss opportunities to witness the presence of the Holy Spirit and hear testimonies like we heard today of God doing things in other people's lives. At church, we learn to discern the voice of God. And hopefully, that will stir up a hunger um, for, for them, for God. Friendships can take time. I know that. But, but coming to church is not only just so that we can praise God um, and worship him and hear about him and learn more about him, but it's also about a community where we share good things as well as bad. Lastly, parents need to disciple their children. Discipling is different from punishing. So discipling is to equip them and to train them. Punishing means to make someone pay for their wrongdoings. But Jesus has already done that for us. He paid the ultimate price of our wrongdoings and suffered the punishment of death instead of us. And so he allows us to be called sons and daughters and he gives us his inheritance Some may think that they're not entitled to his inheritance because they've done too many bad things. But nothing is too big for God who can wash away all our sins. All we have to do is take them to him and ask for forgiveness. Some may be fearful to accept Christ because it means that if they change the way they have to change the way they live and they just aren't in a hurry to do that. Some may think they haven't sinned at all. So I was one of these people. I thought, oh, I'm a good person. I don't intentionally go out to hurt anybody. I don't need God's forgiveness. How wrong was I? One day I realized that I was sitting on a pile of sin, actually. Things that didn't please God. And only Jesus could release me, really, from this. It's incredible what uh, it says here in, in Romans. It says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that incredible? We moved on. <laughs> he grants us total freedom and calls us to him with arms wide open. And we all have to do, and all we have to do is really go into his embrace. We're never too young, we're never too old to accept Christ. We need to love our children like God loves us. So a couple of weeks ago, I asked my two boys the question, why do I love you? 
my 14-year-old said, well, mum, that's a question you need to ask yourself. <laughs> my 11-year-old said, because you're my mummy, that's why you love me. Both great answers. I thought, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love them, because, not because they're, they're good, or you know, one plays amazing sports, or, or they make me breakfast in bed, even though I wouldn't mind more breakfast in bed, boys. <clears throat> um, it's because simply, they are my children and I love them. Like God's, lo- God loves us unconditionally, warts and all, and not because we're smart, because you obey God. As we, as we understand God's love for us, we start to obey him. So really from the center of love outpours our obedience and trust. God loves us with all our imperfections, and so too should we love our children in the same way. <clears throat> but God is actually a God of justice. And if we don't ask for forgiveness, there's a price to pay. If we think we don't need God in our lives, then we've got it wrong. He has given us a way out of our imperfect life through sacrificing his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sake. When children are young, their parents are actually like God to them. So they need to be taught that God is a God of love and a God of justice, and that he has given us some codes to live by. He is the ultimate authority over right and wrong. And if we move away from what is good, we will get hurt. So it would be good for all of us to really stick to what he instructs. For those of you who've got all the children who've left, you've got no authority over, you still have a voice in their life. And they will still listen. So please make it gospel-centered, unselfish, and set in love. For those of you perhaps who are single mums, yeah, you might not be able to show them how to be a dad, but you can point them to our greatest father, our Lord God. So in summary, God calls us to be obedient to our parents, yes. And to God, yes. Why? Because it is right. It is part of God's natural order seen in cultures all over around the world. Children need to obey their parents because they lack the knowledge, the experience, and the wisdom that to make really sound, independent decisions. Equally, we all need to obey God because it's really needed for a stable society. If we disobey God's wishes, there will be problems in the home, in the workplace, in the streets, and it carries on into the rest of the world. And secondly, why do we obey God? Because it pleases him. Parents should not aggravate their children. Rather, they need to bring them up Um, to know God and to love God. And then naturally, obedience will follow. And this is known as gospel-centered parenting. So behavior shouldn't actually be the main goal of parents. Even though I'm not saying it's not good to have good behavior, it shouldn't be your ultimate goal. The main goal should be for parents to develop their children to have a relationship with God, help them to pray, Pray for them as parents. Teach them how to live in a community um, that is of Christ's teaching. Bringing them ultimately to the person that can save them, Jesus. And then sending them out and equipping them so they can stand on their own. 
with a real transformation deep within them so that they can live a life for God and that pleases God. As the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us in fresh understanding, the word comes alive to us in our minds and then transforms our hearts. And as our hearts begin to understand how amazing God is, we start to obey. We start to apply the truth of the gospel into our daily walk. So from our minds, revelation, into our softened hearts and into our walk, into our legs, in that order. And, and we begin to see this uh, starting from the home. So that spirit-filled children will obey their parents. And spirit-filled fathers will be gentle to their children. And so really Christians devoted to Jesus should have marriages, families, jobs, attitudes that are all different from a culture devoted to itself. Great. So we're just going to end in prayer if we can. So if you could close our eyes, that would be great. Dear Lord, the gospel reminds us that the power to live a life that pleases you comes from you alone. The gospel message is that we are all sinners and therefore the transformation to be a better parent or children, child, comes from God living in us. Help us all to know you more through studying your words in the Bible, by praying more to you, by getting good counsel from other Christians who have gone before us and who are more mature in their walk in life. Help us love you more each day and trust you more by obeying your word, which gives us everlasting freedom, releasing us from bondage to live a life full of joy and a life eternal with you. If anyone here today does not know you, Lord, as their father, then I pray that you reveal yourself to them. Lord, if you have been stirring anyone's heart today, then I pray that they do not put off making a decision to follow you. So with all our eyes closed right now, and if God is speaking to you, I'd just like you to raise your hands up to God and accept him as your loving father. And this is just between you and God. My sins were nailed to the cross of Jesus, allowing me a second chance to live, being reborn to wholeness. The grave I was clearly digging for myself was going to be filled with my body, but instead Jesus came and took the place so that I may live. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing sacrifice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.